This is firefighter Raphael Poirier for Firehouse Subs. Introducing the new spicy Cajun chicken sub, Cajun seasoned grilled chicken breast, zesty cherry peppers, and house-made Cajun mayo. Just $5.55 for a medium. Remember, a portion of every sub you buy helps provide life-saving equipment for first responders. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Limited time only, plus tax. Participating locations. Firehouse Subs would donate a minimum of $1 million in 2019 to the Firehouse Subs Public Safety Foundation by donating 0.11% of every purchase. Hello, welcome. Welcome back. Uh, how are you? Good? That's cool. Jim Norton's on my show tonight. It was tough to pin him down to get him on. He was very busy promoting a special, but uh, came over. It was fun. I've known Jim a while. Easy to talk to. Funny. Nice guy. Yeah. Uh... I'm going on the road a little bit. Uh, this Thursday, the 30th, I'll be at Steel Sacks in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Arlington Draft House in Arlington, Virginia, May 8th. May 21st, Winnipeg. First show, first trip ever in Winnipeg at the Park Theater. May 22nd, I'll be at Space in Evanston, Illinois for two shows. And then June 18th, I'll be at Crossroads at Hawaiian Brian's in Honolulu. Now, some more dates coming up. Some shows in Israel, uh, another show in Hawaii, and then some other things that will be announced at some point. Follow me on Twitter at Todd Barry. ToddBarry.com. Uh, there's this little siren in the background. That's kind of, that's cool. Use a little texture. And uh, go to FeralAudio.com. They have this podcast, a lot of podcasts. You can donate to the podcast. You can just listen to them. Either way. All right. Here's Jim Norton, everyone. I like to open with me swallowing some uh, German mineral water. Always the best way. <laughs> you just came from lunch, Jim. Where'd you go? We went to this place. I had a meeting and uh, with my manager and these other people. And it was, uh, I forget the name of it, Maymay? M-A-E-M-A-E? Really? It was really good, yeah. I'm on this weird diet because I'm, uh, I can't work out for a while because I have a bad arm. Uh-huh. So I'm trying just not to eat blub like a pig. So I'm eating uh, this, which is called Whole30. Which you eat meats and shit, but I'm, I'm just trying not to eat like dairy or a few other things just to prevent myself from being an abomination. <laughs> so this is like a healthy restaurant? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, but it's like I'm eating salad. And I'm just putting lemon on it instead of dressing, which oh, kind of blows. Yeah, it wasn't great, but the food was good. I ate a Chipotle today, and I thought about leaving corn off the bowl because I was like, oh, that's I don't need that 48 calories of corn in me. Corn isn't that bad. No? No, corn is good for you. Healthy. <laughs> Chipotle, by the way, just dropped uh, all GMO. Is that I what know. it is? That's the big selling point, they say, for hipsters? I know. I saw a guy on Facebook who uh, was like, no, actually, GMOs are good. And I was like, oh, shit. No. Are they? What yeah. is that? Genetically moderated? Modified. Modified. Uh, uh, yeah, moderated. Right, right, right. Yeah. I'll have to look it up so then I can come up with whatever opinion I think I'm supposed to have. Yes. Are you a big foodie guy? No. I mean, I just try to eat healthy because, you know, we're in my 40s. I just don't want to blow up like a pig. We were talking at lunch, too, about what a fatso I used to be. And I'm looking at photos of myself from 2005. Uh-huh. And, uh... Like what a slob, just not just inexcusably fat, like real pig. Um, I'll even show you a photo because I, I literally have it on my phone. Okay. Was, I, I did a half hour for HBO in 2005, and the 
photos that came out. Um, like that was me in 2005. Oh my God. Yeah. Trust me, people at home. Yeah. Wow, I don't remember you being that big. Yeah, people don't because it was, you know when you see each other. I remember other, you getting slimmer, but I didn't remember you were that big. I didn't remember I was that big. I remember watching that. I was in L.A. when it aired, and I was with my agent at the time. We sat in his hotel and watched it. And I used to wear the T-shirt with the big button shirt open just to yeah. kind of conceal. That's what you do when you're fat. You conceal by wearing longer yeah. flowing stripes. Yeah, stripes. And um, I couldn't believe what a fat fuck I was. But it, I didn't realize it at the moment. I thought, like, yeah, you look pretty good. Just delusional. <laughs> So did you just hit a point where you're like, uh, I, I can't be this way anymore? I had a moment of clarity. I just got sick of it. That was it. I yeah. was done with my f- stupid stuff. I was with this really hot girl and we're walking. And um, the, my block is very windy. So the wind is blowing towards me. And my shirt, when the wind blows toward you, kind of wraps around you. And I'm looking in the window as we're walking along the side of a store. And just my, the way my fat was being wrapped around <laughs> by this shirt. I'm like, you really suck. I'm like, girls only fuck you because you're funny. Like, no, none of them can possibly enjoy right. looking at you. I got to say, that must steal. That's got to take, that takes a little motivation where you're like, well, I already, I already got hot women like you, man. Why, yeah, why not eat whatever I want? It's, you know what it is? Because I wind up spending a lot of money. Um, you know, women, a lot of the women don't like you because you're nice. They like you because you're buying them stuff. Or right. They like you because they're hookers. Um, <laughs> or they like you because, you know, you're a comedian, you're on radio. But, I want. I didn't want to have them just sleep with me and look at me like, ugh, this guy sucks. I was still self conscious naked. Right. No, Are you self conscious naked or do you not care? Um, I uh, not when I'm like, like I never like when people were well flipping out about the the uh, TSA going through like they're gonna scan you and oh, like yeah. like I don't. The guy sees an outline of my dick for a microsecond. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't bother me. And at the doctor, I don't care. Okay. I, mean, I have women doctors. I don't care. You know, yeah, you can get out of weight, so I guess it doesn't matter. But I'm not, you know, I'm not going to go to a nude beach anytime soon. No? No. I wouldn't either. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not self-conscious about my dick, but it's my, my appendix scar and my little bit of a gut, which I'm trying to get rid of. That's what I'm bothered by, like love handles. I don't care about my dick or my, people can look at that all day. <laughs> you should Uneventful. Go, you should uh, just wear something over your, your love handles. Do you think so? Yes. Like maybe just a shirt. What do they call that shirt cocking when you just, when you have weight, you're naked below the waist, but you just wear a shirt. I've never seen a creepy guy move. Yeah. <laughs> wear one of those like scam things that you supposedly get rid of your gut. Those... Oh, the under the underwear, yeah, the uh, yeah. the Some under what belt are they called? I don't know. It was I remember this thing way back when I was a kid. Spanks. Like, but this was like just a like a big bandage you wore over your gut and the idea was like it's just burning your gut off. Oh, yeah. You it's, know it's, it's a scam. Nice. It's a scam. Of course it is. Um so you've been doing a shitload of press, right, for your special? A lot of press, which is good. You know, I mean, uh, mainstream TV, you know, I used to do a lot of Leno, but he's gone now. And um, so it's like, you know, I thought I was going to be doing Fallon, but that didn't work out. Um, so that was just all podcasts, which are fine. Podcasts are, are because the special aired last Friday and we talked to the guy. Today's Tuesday. We talked to the guy and he said that it, the spike up was excellent. Like there was actually an audio problem on Fios because the feed from the network was very, we did really well, especially considering we were up against Bruce Jenner. Um, right. From nine to 11. Like literally you have an hour of Bruce Jenner and then you're like, oh, he's going to pull his dick out. And you know, then it's me. It's like, there's no one was turning that off to watch me. So uh, the fact that we did really well, but that's all podcasts, man. People download podcasts because they want to hear what you have to say. It's a better way to promote than anything. Yeah. Um, 
I was thinking of switching to Files. Should I not do that? I love Files. It's the only good. audio problem I've ever had with them. And watching my own dumb sh- fucking special, I was so annoyed. I was just live tweeting it and mocking myself. But, um, you know, I was happy with how it came out. And it's on Epics. Epics, yeah. And how'd you end up on Epics? I got with, I, my manager arranged a meeting for me with those guys. And, well, no, I shot one special. Please be offended. I shot with them. There was a production company I used with them. Uh-huh. And um, I got to know them a little bit. And then it goes from Epics to Netflix. And then the next two I've done with Epics to Netflix by, but just own myself. So, so it just have a deal where it automatically goes to Netflix. They, it's built into the deal. So Epix is just kind of leasing it from me. But those guys are very uh, hands-off creatively. They only want the stage to look good. Like they weigh in on the stage. They yeah, look, I watched a clip. It really, it looked really nice. Yeah, they did. I used this woman, uh, Michelle, who's, uh, she's done a lot of, of, of specials. She knows what she's doing. She's an in-house director. They edit themselves. You know, I just, I trust her. Yeah, some specials look cheese ball. They look terrible. The shadows are awful. Yeah. Joe Piscopo. And we like Joe. But uh, I, he had a Showtime special, and there's a shadow behind him the whole time, like a, a spotlight shot. I'm like, who the fuck did this guy's lighting that they allow a shadow to be? It was the most distracting thing I've ever seen because he's, he's talking, and there's a big shadow on the wall behind him. It just didn't look right. Do you remember the Piscopo special where he brought a doctor on stage to test him for steroids? That was part of an HBO I special. Don't. Yeah, oh, it's, awesome. I remember. I think I was working with a tell in like Alexandria, Virginia. I feel like. I think we were both watching it separately in our hotel rooms and just talking about it, but it was just like, this is your HBO special. Yeah. He's, I mean, a, he's like, here's a good proof that I'm not on steroids. Like, I don't, who gives a shit no if you're on steroids? Joe. I mean, nothing against Joe Piscopo. I've is gotten it? to love Joe Piscopo. We made fun of him relentlessly. And then he can't, kind of came on the show and we really liked him because he's uh, he's a regular guy. And he, uh-huh. He's, uh, you know, he makes fun of himself and like, you know, he can't stop coming in women. I just kind of respect that. He's just a, he's just a guy who can't pull out and he just keeps knocking girls up. And Oh, seriously? Oh my God. Piscopo. What a, there's nothing but put loads in women. I really so, respect him. So he's got like a, he's one of these guys who's got like, oh, I got 11 kids. By he's got a bunch. Women. Yeah. Really? Yeah. He's always got like a, you know, he's always, you know, a younger wife and you know, there's something to be said for Joe Piscopo. Where's he, uh, where's he getting the money to, uh. Uh, dude, I guess it's a gigs? lot of college tuition. A lot of college tuition. So I'm guessing gigs. Gigs. Yeah. Hmm. Well, who knows? Maybe residuals from films. I don't know how much Johnny Dangerously makes, but um, you know he's always working. He's got a radio job now. Yeah. Okay. So when you're doing all this press, do you have you did you turn any press down, or did you think like this like this this not really going to help me at all? Or? No. I mean, uh, my publicist was really good and got mm-hmm. me a, a lot of stuff. A lot of the you know, I went to L.A. I did. Uh, you know, Rogan and Bert uh, Kreischer. I landed in L.A. I didn't get to the hotel till midnight. The next morning, Kevin and Bean, just everything. The Nerdist, um, which these are all great. Grantland yesterday, uh, you today. Because even though it's not, uh, it aired already. It's all month and it's on right. on demand. So it's, you want to keep promoting so of that course. you keep getting hits. Um, did a shitload of stuff out there and uh, I'm forgetting a lot of it. But uh, Corolla, I didn't do because he had a movie premiere that he directed. He directed this documentary on Paul Newman, so uh, he invited me to it, which was nice. But I'd rather have done the podcast. Yeah, you know, it would have helped. Do but you, um, Doctor Drew, talk a lot about sex? Because I, I kind of hate. I mean, when I have something like a, a special out, I like I'll be excited about. Like I had the crowd work thing, I was excited. I got some high end press because Louis was involved. Sure. I believe. So I did like NPR and Terry Gross, but. uh just sometimes, like the road press, when is just brutal. They just—I mean, when it's like, what can we expect from your show? Like, I'm gonna tell jokes. Yeah, and it's like they think that's a clever question. 
Or they're unprepared. Yeah. They don't know what to say, so they say to you, what can we expect from your show? Um, I, I've had decent success on the road just because I was with Opie and Anthony for so long, and yeah. I'm still with Opie, and uh, they they never wanted to have a confrontation with those guys, so they were always kind of nice to me. Uh-huh. Um, I never had any real bad experience. Like some of them just weren't fun to do because they were lame, but none of them were out and out dicks except one guy in California. This is many many years ago, and uh, he would play clown music when you walked on, and we were just talking about that. I think Louis was on. We were talking about shitty guys on the road. Louis's like that guy. I remember that guy. That's the guy I hated. So he was a dick. <clears throat> Pardon me to everybody. He was just one of those passive-aggressive guys oh. who no one cared about. He was a one-market guy, just jealous of the guy who would come in and probably fuck the waitresses and leave. Just jealous of the comedians. So that kept of press I, didn't, I don't have to deal with anymore. Yeah, there was a guy in Cleveland who I, who I had a terrible time with, and like the club actually apologized. What was his name? I forgot. He was an old, bitter fucking asshole. Okay. Old, probably my age now. But um, Maxwell? I don't know. I don't, I don't want to say a name because I don't remember the okay. name. But it was also, I think it was the same one that Maria Bamford, like he put her, like... I think he brought her to tears. She was so abusive to her. Just really, yeah. She talked about it on stage, and it's just like it was a thing where you're like, "Well, you're not that funny." Like, well, I don't have to be here. Like, just but and you know, and then the other guys like chiming in, like, "Well, hey, you're being a little rough on him." It's like, why does this have to be this way? Yeah, I don't even want. It's like I'm just doing a shows, and I want to talk about them. But I, I like I like someone. You know, we have comedians on. I never want comedians to do bits. It's just awkward. It yeah. doesn't work. Conversationally funny people are interesting, and they're fun to talk to. And even if we don't have, you know, if, as long as there's an interesting conversation happening, if you're talking about something that means something to you, then it, then it it works. You know, it's like, and then it will branch off into funny stuff, and then you'll just talk serious, and then you branch off. But these guys do these ten minute breaks. On regular radio, regular radio stinks, dude. It's the worst. Yeah, where they go, give us five setup questions. I, I won't do it. I'll never do it. But I have found, like, I, <laughs> I'm sort of out of the comedy clubs for the most part, the chain ones, pretty much, with a few exceptions. But because I just couldn't take that, and I found that I would like try to really force them to just have a conversation. Then I realized, oh, they're not comfortable having a conversation. Yeah. So I might as well do their little dance and go home. Yeah, because they like to get. Uh, and, but you know they fake laugh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll take yeah. fake laugh over mean. Well, I, I, I would actually. I don't know what I'd prefer. If someone was mean, I'd be very mean back. So there's something about that that's kind of enjoyable too, just to know you can actually go. Oh, yeah. Have a confrontation with a guy who's actually being a dick. Yeah. Has um, that happened? I can't remember the last time it has on the air. Sure, on our show, with other radio shows, huh? but in in person, no. Um, no, I went into one. We had these ongoing fights with guys. There was a show called Lex and Terry, who are now out of Dallas. And we had gotten some nasty ones with them. But then we stopped. And when I was going to be in Dallas, Lex and Terry requested me. And they're like, no, we actually would love to have Jim on. We're done with all the radio fights. Uh-huh. So I went on expecting to have a confrontation. But they're like, no, we're just going to talk. And we actually had a nice conversation. We talked about the fights that they'd had with Opie and Anthony. Uh-huh. But it turned out to be really cool. Like, they were just cool guys who like us and just doing a radio show. And when you get radio guys are, get into it nasty because you have four hours a day to kill. That's why when Kimmel went after Leno, Kimmel's a radio guy. That's where he started. That, he did that for a while. So it wasn't surprising to me that he handled that shit like a radio guy like just you know go after him because that's what you do on the radio you have so much time to talk i'd never thought about that yeah that 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 was a, a motivator reading the uh the tweets 
the hateful tweets. Like oh, he does a lot of. I'm not saying he steals radio things, but he has the mentality of a guy on the radio. Like just right. make a bit out of it and discuss a lot of the negativity too. You respond to a lot of your hate tweets, right? I do. Yeah, it's very entertaining. I do enjoy it. You know what? I do. Sometimes it's stupid, and sometimes. I like to watch when they complain because what they don't understand is they'll say something like, you know, whatever they say, if it's, and I'll at mention them and I'll put the dot before so the fans see it. Why do you need your fans to help you fight your battles? It's like, no, motherfucker, we're not in, we're not in an intimate relationship where right. you get to just corner me and tell me stuff. You're speaking to me publicly and I'm speaking back to you publicly. Right. You don't get a private one-on-one. <laughs> this is not an email. Um, and they, they, they start to feel bullied, but they wind up getting into it with a lot of the fans. So, cause then the fans will start and then I just bow out and there's certain fans that are relentless and very funny. Some of the fans are brutal and they'll really hammer these guys and then, and, and you will rue the day you put a picture of your wife or your family in your oh, Twitter yeah, profile. There was a guy you, who you went after, he found all these pictures of him. Oh, that was a guy. That was great. That guy, I, I didn't do his family. He actually did have a picture of his kid, but I, I don't mess with people's children like that. Like, it was just about him. He was a guy with a wrestling podcast, and he said something just dickish to me on Twitter. Like, for no, like, you know what I mean? Like, something to do your shtick, your angry guy's shtick. It was just something like dismissive and yeah. dick. So I responded shitty, and then he got shitty again. So then we kind of just got into it, and he started being nasty, and he said something about Patrice being dead. Um, and then I find out. Like, cause I know nothing about this guy, nothing. So it's always harder when somebody attacks you and you know nothing about them cause they know a lot about you. But then I spoke to somebody who knew him. She texted me. <laughs> oh my God. He's a huge fan. He used to beg me to take him up to see you, to meet you and to meet Opie and Anthony. So then I found all these photos of him and I realized that he had a, a hat on. So he was probably very self-conscious about his hairline. So I just attacked him with his own photos um, and, 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 and screen grabbed him. So-and-so Facebook requests, friend requests you. So-and-so follows you on Twitter. And I'm just like, you're a fanboy. You're trying to get into my life. You know, because all you can do, I didn't know anything about his content. Um, you know, and it's like, you're a dick to me. I'm going to be a dick back to you. Don't come at, me, come at me like you're this real deal guy and I'm a corporate guy who's not going to want to deal with it. I'm a fucking, I, I'm, I'm on stage in front of people every night. So you and, and that whole I'm aggressive buddy shit doesn't work with me ever. Yeah, I think there is. there are people who just, they think that's how you have to engage someone as opposed to just going, hey, uh, you were funny tonight or whatever. They have to, they have to go toe to toe with you. But he started. It yeah. was like, I don't know. And then he said something, oh, you got to pick on the smaller show. And as soon as they do that, they're dead because I know they're being manipulative. It's like I've never once attacked somebody or bashed somebody and then cried when they responded. Never have I done that. Have yeah. I felt victimized by them responding? You know, but that's what Twitter is. It's instant. And uh, Louis was on our show recently and he said that he didn't like, that was why he got, you know, how logical. He, Louis is very, Louis is very cut, to, cut to the chase. Yeah. You know, why did you quit Twitter? It didn't make me feel good. You know, and let's just, that's it. That's a very basic way of explaining it. But I, I like the immediacy of it. I like it. I just think that we need to give each other a learning curve and you know what I mean? Like we're all kind of in this. None of us know how to respond immediately and be smart about it. We're all kind of dicks quick. Yeah. So I think that we all have to understand that and give each other a break. But yeah, I mean, it is just so hard sometimes. I mean, I, I, most part I get nice people, but it is just that 
the fact that someone can just, I mean, you could be off stage five seconds sure. and someone's already conveyed to you that you suck. Sure. It's like, I think that 25 years ago, there was, they would have had to leave a letter at the yeah. club or something. Or yell at you. Yeah. And pr yeah. Face to face. It's just, uh, do you, so you block people too? Oh yeah. I love blocking people. Do you block as opposed to mute? No, because I like them to know they've been blocked. I don't need them to think that I'm still listening to them. And why? Should, and people are like, "What are you a big free speech guy?" And you block someone. And I'm like, it's got nothing to do with. You can still say what you want. I'm not infringing on your right. You could tell me I'm a cunt every day if you want. I just won't hear it. Right. Be, be, I'm all for your free speech. It doesn't mean like if you basically Twitter is they knock on your front door and they yell at you. And just because I close the door in your face, don't be mad at me. You can still stand on the porch and yell. I'm just not going to listen to you. Yeah, I was talking to someone who they, they equated. They used this example. If you were sitting next to someone on a bus and they were annoying you and you saw an empty seat like eight rows back, you would just walk to the back. You know, you'd yeah. walk to that seat just because you don't have to want to deal with it. Who wants to deal with that? Yeah, I love when they bring up free speech. It's like, no, you're. I'm not getting you arrested. I don't, I don't even want you to get in trouble for what you say. I don't even want you to not say it. Yap all you want. I will respond. And the fans can get on you. And, and if I feel like they have no Twitter followers and it's just like a troll profile, let's block them. Uh -huh. I won't even address them because they don't deserve the response. But if it's actually somebody with a real profile, well, then you just come back at them. Yeah. Because they're dicks. They're heckling you. Exactly. It's like, why do you expect immunity from a heckle? Who the fuck are you? I'm going to come in and tell you you suck. I, and you're, you're, and then when I go, you know, blah, 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 I, I go down your tw a couple of your tweets and I smash you. And all of a sudden, everybody else smashes you and you feel like a victim? Shut your face. Yeah, I like when they, they uh, you see comics being accused of being thin-skinned. It's like the people who do 400 shows a year in front of strangers in cities they've never been to and they're by themselves. I mean... Yeah. That's kind of thick-skinned. Yeah, while well, people are drinking and talking. Right. And I'm lucky because I have a road manager, you know, for the last few years who will at least try to keep order. But oh, really? Yeah, it helps. That's great. So he goes with you everywhere? Everywhere. Club dates? Yeah, because he sells merchandise. He, he does security. He Oh, man. He's very valuable. I want one of those. Oh, he's great. Cause he's some, great. Wow. Is that, is that expensive? You don't no, have to tell me, but no, 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 no. It actually... It balances out with the merchandise I sell, and he does all the planning, the travel. Oh, really? Everything. And plus, they pay the travel buyout, so that helps. So is he? does he work just for you? No, he works for the Opie and Anthony show, or now Opie show, uh, as a uh, security. Can't he's a big guy, 6'4", ex-cop. Oh. He used to work for Dice. That's where I met him. And uh, he's been a friend of mine for years, ex-cop, retired. So you can hang with him also? Oh, yeah. We go out to have eaten more meals with him than anyone on Earth. Okay. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because... Um it, it is, yeah, some places you need someone to watch, have your back a little bit. Yeah, and he's, excuse me, uh, I, I have sleep apnea, so I'm always tired in the afternoon. He um, he doesn't, uh, he's very security conscious, and no one fucks with him. And, and again, I have very few problems with that anyway. Yeah. They, um, how long between specials? When was your last special prior to this one? Um, I wanted to do one a year, but the last one was about uh, 16 months. That's 16 months. Uh, and that was Epic Six Delay, not mine. So I like to turn over material every year. If I can. Do you really? Yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. I feel like it's a bit, uh, I mean, maybe because I can't, I'm not able to do it. Well, I get bored. Yeah, I, have I do to, get bored. I, I get so bored. Yeah. And don't, don't talk it on the radio in the morning. You do it for three hours, three and a half hours, four days a week now. It used to be five. 
It's like there's things I'm constantly formulating opinions on just because you're forced to talk about them. Sometimes really funny, sometimes not funny, but every morning, all right, what's going on? Baltimore, what's going on? And so it's like all this stuff you're thinking about. So there's, there's, there's constantly material ideas uh, and things that, that I want to talk about. So I think that that's really a good exercise for your, your brain doing that every day because you're forced to be topical just in your conversation. That's true. Something's going to come out probably Something's every day. going to come out or at least – Again, an idea of something you want, and then I'll just go on stage at the cellar and try it or play with it or see where it goes. But it's a constant like shaking your brain, um, you know, you know, 20 hours a week. Will you do now when you go on the road now that your special's out? Are you doing something? Will you do any of the special live? I'll try not to. I'm probably at about 35 new minutes now. Um, that I'm happy with. Uh, a couple of things that I sh- did for the special but didn't air because I didn't like how they came out. But a lot of stuff that's just happened since then. Um, or stuff that I wanted to talk about and, you know, just haven't. So, um, yeah, I, I think about 35 new minutes and plus a couple of things that I was closing with that didn't make it to the special. So uh-huh. it'll be enough new material. People feel like they got a good show. <laughs> yeah, I try to do as much new stuff as possible, but then I find like, oh, there's this little chunk that I, sure. that's going to work, and it might be you know a couple of years old, and you do it, and it works. Yeah, You're like I don't see any real reason. I don't hear a resistance to it. So no, people I don't, are fine. Yeah, I don't. Uh, do you uh, have you never, you never done like the Edinburgh thing or anything? I've never done it. Wow, have you I, played over anywhere? Never overseas. I would do it, Canada. but with radio, since again for so long, Bill Burr's always telling me that he's like, "Dude, you got to go over, dude." And, and I know he's right because Bill's so successful over there. And Patrice used to go to England all the time. I don't feel like they'd like me, but I know that that's just stupid. But that's more reason to do it, don't you think? Maybe, yeah. I mean, I should. I have an offer off for the uh, for New Zealand and the Netherlands. I, I should go, but uh, it's hard. just getting off radio is hard because you know. Yeah. That's my it's a job. Yeah, and it's a fun job, and it keeps me. I, I like having that job. It makes me get up in the morning. It makes me have a schedule. It makes me be a person as opposed to a comic going to bed at six in the morning, waking up at one. I'm a disaster at night, man. You know, I mean, I'm alone. I'm doing bad stuff all night. So the fact I have to get up gives me some kind of structure. I go to the gym. I have a real. I can come do your podcast. I have a real existence. What everyone wants to ask you when you wake up, though, right? I get up at uh, now. It's not bad. I get up at six. Okay. Uh, I'm on the air by seven, but it used to be I was on the air by six, so I was up at five. That sucks. When, when, does, when did Stern must? Didn't he used to go to bed at 8 o'clock at night or something? He probably does, yeah. Howard gets up, I guess, around 4. But he's not a comedian, so he's not he's not up at, like, you right. know, for him, he's not doing sets at night. And he's a, you know, I understand he meditates. I don't know Howard, but I know he meditates. And he has a whole thing he does. And it's his show. Whereas me, I just kind of roll in as the third mic um, and fire lines, which was always fun. Yeah. I did your show once. I should do it again. I had a good time. They loved you, so you'd be more than welcome to yeah, it whenever it was, you want. It was, uh, it was chill, and everyone was listening and and friendly. Yeah, it's a fun hang. There's no pressure on it. There's no... So, what do you got? Uh, what do you got on Baltimore? You know, there's none of that shit. Yeah, because I got nothing on that. No, me neither. The... Uh, <laughs> so, the yeah, because yeah, I think... Um, what was I going to ask you about? Do, do, do. Yeah, I think you'd do well in London. I would I would go overseas just for the experience of doing it. I mean, I've done Iraq. That was fun. Yeah. With Colin. We did that for uh, when Tough Crowd in between first and second season around 2003. Right when Manny died. When Manny died, we were in Iraq. Or Kuwait, about to go to Iraq. So uh, my experience was good there. But I want to go away and really do 
a week of shows somewhere, somewhere else. I want to go to Australia. That's where I want to go. Australia's great. I really do. I would love to go there and perform. I got a lot of emails from Australia. Like, Keith Robinson went, like, five years ago, and he goes, you got to go, player, because they're always, they, 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 they are from very, very familiar with the Opie and Anthony show there. Um, it gets a lot of, because for some reason, Australians steal a lot of shit online. I think if they can't, they, the, the companies there don't buy it, so they, they've learned, they're very savvy on the internet. So I have a very good fan base, I understand, in Australia. I'd love to try it and go there for a few days and yeah, do some I mean gigs. it's uh, there's that the festival's great over there, the Melbourne Fest. Yeah, I've never. I mean, maybe I could do them, but festivals. I'm like, who the fuck's gonna come see me at a festival? It's all these comedians. I don't know, man. Really? Yeah, I'd rather just go over there and try it. Okay. I get to see all my friends too. Like that's one thing on the radio that's good too is I get to have guys in. So I see guys all. You know, comedians never see each other because mm -hmm. you're headlining. It tells headlining, and that one's headlining. Where do you see these guys? I see them on the air. It's for not. It's one thing I love about. It, is I always get to see my friends. I do always wonder what people are doing during the day. There's people I've known like 20 years. Like I don't even know what they do all day. Probably, you know, Dave is a he'll probably sleep. I mean, I don't know what time Dave gets up. He's a, I've traveled with him. He's Hotel? A, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's a mysterious guy. Very mysterious guy. But he's a, a surprisingly generous guy. Yeah, right? he's a very sweet guy. Really nice dude. Lo loves the troops, gives stuff away to to uh to soldiers, man, and he just he's a very he cares a lot about people. Whenever there's a, you know, a, fr a soldier online, Dave will give him free merch and there's just nothing greedy about it. Tell. He'll never be undone by by monetary greed. Yeah. Do you, um, how many sets do you, do you, is the cellar the only club you work at in the city? I'll do the stand, or obviously when I headline, I'll do Caroline's occasionally, stand up New York or Gotham, but it's more, uh, just the cellar every night. I'm kind of in that, uh, when I do it, sometimes I run to the stand and do sets. I like that room a lot, but it's just getting up early in the morning. It's yeah, so hard. Yeah, it changes everything. But I feel like I get enough sets in during the week, and when I go on the road, I can actually play and experiment with material. I'm very comfortable doing that. Yeah, I, I have noticed that about you. Like, I, I feel like you're always trying something new. Do you ever just uh, crap out and go, oh, oh sure. Play it safe, oh, but, yeah, man. Of course. You got a girl in the room. You bring a girl to see you for the first time. You don't go up there and just yeah. play around. Yeah, you're not going to wing it. No. Hey, let's talk about string theory. Fucking boo. <laughs> no, you want to, you know, try to get, you try to get blown. You do well. <laughs> so, yeah, there's times where I crap out. But otherwise, I figure they're paying me so little. And this is all the city clubs. But to me, it's 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 chance to work on stuff. I enjoy yeah. it. I really enjoy working on material. Yeah, I uh, I try I, I I like it, but I, I do you do much homework? Like, do you do any like writing at home? No, almost none. But I've gotten into the point where I just go on stage and try it. It's it's not always the best method. Uh, Colin writes a lot of stuff down. I know I should, but I don't write as much as I should. Because I hear these comics are like, oh, I did this week at a club and I had it by the end of it, I had a new ten minutes. Like, how did you? Especially in a headlining situation where you're like, you know what, this big drop off necessarily. Yeah, I think opening with new material is a good idea. That's Sometimes, my little trick. sure. Sometimes it does work. Because if that works, then you're like, oh, I got this other shit. Wait, to go. Yeah, but if it doesn't work. I like to open with something I know is strong, and then branch into things, and I just keep building. Whatever the new stuff is, usually is the opener, and, and you know, cause, and then and then on the road I'll change it. But like at the cellar, I usually open with new stuff, try it, and then just kind of. And I'm doing 15, so I just keep squeezing material that that comes out of the 15 minute set, and now goes into the new out. Like, you know, it's 15, but then you just keep opening with stuff, and you're pushing material back, and then the next thing you know, you're still doing 15, but your original 15 is now 
not being done anymore at the cellar. It's only on the road. Right. Tying that. You know what I mean? It's like. Do you keep records of that shit? I tape every set I do. Do I watch them? Very rarely, but occasionally. But I got that. Oh, GoPro. you videotape, right? Every set. Yeah. Or you just stick it on the piano? No, no, no. You can do that. Or you can sit on that little thing when you walk in the room. There's that little fire. Uh-huh. When you first walk into the cellar, is that yeah. right? I'll put my camera there. And uh, it makes you more creative because you know you're taping. So I try anything because I know I got it. I'm not going to forget it. So to me, the bigger picture is getting it on tape and I got it. Yeah, I've gotten better about when I first started, I was really good about sure. taping because you're just so excited. To, you actually want to hear your set. Sure. Which is like the last thing I want to hear now is that set. I oh, my did. God. Yeah. Even if it was great. It's sure. just like I, I, I don't I know all those jokes. I'm not, not going to be a lot of surprises in that. But I haven't gone. I'm not good about listening to them. Like the idea of like, oh god, I can sit down and, and sit down, and listen, and burn through them, and listen for little changes. But I've also had the thing where you you say something that was like, oh, I totally fixed that joke. Yeah, and you didn't record it, and then you hope you're going to remember that. I'm doing a joke now. It's a. It just the, the premise of the bit is just it's a true story. It's something that happened where. Uh, the the punchline of the joke is I think a friend of mine got molested um, and I didn't know it. And, you know, it's, it's, it, the joke wasn't working as well. The reveal wasn't working as well. And then one night I was just playing around in Denver. Or no, the cellar. And I fixed it. Like one night I just tried a different angle on the, on the punchline and it worked. And I, I had taped it, but knowing I was taping is why I kept trying to fix it. Because I know like whatever you say, You'll have it. And I know I happen to remember it, but that's the beauty of it. When you try something that's not working and you finally fix it, you're like, oh, fucking so happy I fixed that. Yeah. I've uh, I've had things. have I've fixed jokes after they're recorded, like for an album, you know? Like, oh, that's the heartbreaking yeah, thing. Yeah, then you're like, oh, God, I just, oh. And it's, sometimes it's like three words or something, yeah. which is like takes it to the next level. Well, I opened with a bunch of Cosby stuff in, the, uh, in this last special. So... Now I'm going to do Cosby stuff. It has to be different. But, you know, there's hopefully more stuff will come out. And there's a shelf life on that stuff anyway. Do you think he's going to – he's not going to confront anyone who talks about him? No. I mean, No. He doesn't want to be deposed in a lawsuit. Right. If he sues you, I think he has to be deposed. I mean, to prove that you've slandered him. Yeah, I'm he, I don't think he wants to mix it up on that subject. No, he does not. God, I wonder what his life is like now. You know, he's surrounded by a bunch of people who tell him what he wants to hear, but it's torture. I mean, I'm sure that he knows his legacy is destroyed. He can't even perform anymore because everything he says, every pause he takes, he has to worry someone's going to yell, you're a rapist. Right. And that will follow him forever. Like, you know what I am? A rapist! Every pause he has to worry about. You've been on a late show Friday and you're afraid of pausing because you know they're going to yell. Yeah. That's his entire life, but they're going to yell you're a rapist. You're right. They're going to yell the worst possible. Ra- yeah. And it's that's, it's that's kind of sad because I saw him at South by Southwest maybe two years ago, and I'd never seen him. And, and you know, just he's really good comedian. Yeah. He's a, he's a, he's a comedic uh, master. I mean, I've met him twice, and I got to talk to him. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, man. And, and I know he's uh, he listens very well. He asks you questions and he considers your answers and he talks to you and I'm like, that's why he's so good because he soaks, he soaks you in, in a way and then spits it out. Like, but he's a very observant guy and he's a very thoughtful guy, which I'm sure is what makes him such a, a, a meticulous comic. Like every detail of human interaction he's so good with. And that's why, because he pays attention. 
Um, yeah, and the times I've seen him three times. He's always been nice, but I mean, again, yeah, that doesn't mean. Of course, I'm really. a male comic, so yeah, what the fuck. The uh, it was crazy how like he was a guy who was probably gigging more than you would think, like going all over, just touring constantly. Yeah, now he can't Not, do that. Yeah, it's weird. I'm amazed by people who will still go see him. That yeah, that was thinking about that the other day. It's like who's like, yeah, let's go see Con. the family humor. How do you watch family humor yeah, well, with a like guy who's probably a rapist? 44 accusations against him. Uh, is that how many there are? I think it's up. It's in the 40s, I believe. <clears throat> Just a scumbag. Just a real scumbag. I saw him once. Uh, you know that place, that Italian restaurant near the old Boston Comedy Club next to the firehouse? Bill Molino. Yeah, which is a really good restaurant. But he came out of there and I had never... Because in New York, you see celebrities and sometimes there'll be a little pointing. People lost their minds. We're chasing them and just, just freaking out like... I, I hardly see that when I see a celeb in New York. Well, he's been, a, he's been an iconic guy since yeah. the 60s. I mean, 50 years. I mean, he's, he's, he's untouchable. He was, at least until this, untouchable. It's nuts how that, the Hannibal secretly recorded thing just yeah. completely flipped that. Brought him down. And people thought, well, people don't listen to women, but they listen to a man. But I thought it was more social media has just changed. Um, and years ago, in 2004, or whatever it was, when he had a lawsuit... And there was a bunch of, was a class action suit. He squashed it, I think, by settlement. So it was settled, the last lawsuit that came his way. Mm. So it kind of got squashed before it got crazy. This time, it couldn't get squashed because it was a social media thing. So it, that, that was what I'm I think I think when they first tweeted that, they were trying to get Hannibal in trouble. Oh, really? Yeah, it's the type of thing comedian says, you know. Yeah, Hannibal, he must be tired of talking about it. Oh, my God, yeah. I can't wait to get him on this podcast. Oh, and to just talk, talk about, about it. it. It's, like, it's like Cosby, 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 Cosby. The, uh, speaking of celebrities, uh, you, you've always enjoyed getting pictures with celebrities. Yes, I have. Do you do it too, sort of? If I recall, maybe I'm wrong. Do you kind of do it because it's annoying? or No, I like it. Um, the way I look at it, worst case scenario, I have a picture with someone who I really like. Yeah. Best case scenario. Uh, best case scenario. I have a picture with someone I like. Worst case scenario. They say no, and I have a story. Um, and I don't want to annoy them. Madonna turned me down. Um, I, I start. I working on a bit about it. True, but I don't. You know, I just kind of tell the story. De Niro turned me down. I got a bit out of it. Um, you know, I, Mick Jagger turned me down. I got a bit out of it. It was small. But they're all... Didn't you see Sidney Poitier at a pharmacy? Sidney Poitier. I, I met him in a Beverly Hills pharmacy. I was uh, I was coming off my flight, and I was going to a hotel. So I ran in, and I always have my camera with me. Oh. Always. My good camera. Oh, really? Like a real camera? It's in my pocket. Okay. But I didn't have it. It was in the car. But literally, I just happened to be walking in. I see Sidney Poitier. So I'm like, fucking Sidney Poitier. I, I got to get a photo with him. Or try. Yeah. So I stop him. And uh, it was in the... Uh, no one was bothering him. And I'm just like, hey, I'm a comedian. I'm like, uh, and I think I said to him, uh, Stir Crazy was so great. Like, and he directed it. And I'm like, what was Pryor like? I told him I'm a comic and Richard Pryor's my idol. What was it like to direct him? What was he like? Ah, you know, uh, he was a difficult guy. You know, and he, that got him interested because it was something people probably don't ask him. Yeah. We talked for a couple of minutes, four minutes, five minutes, nothing major. And we just chatted about movies. I don't even remember. It was such a blur. I mean, because you're literally talking to a guy that any person in entertainment would have dinner with. Like, any person in Hollywood would want to sit down with this guy and talk to him. Yeah. And we snapped a selfie at uh, the uh, pharmacy. And uh, <laughs> so I got it blown up. And he was doing a, a talk at the 92nd Street Y. 
and I wanted to get a photo with him. I mean, I wanted to get it signed. So me and Sherrod went. I've gone to a couple of talks there. They're really good. And there's a little back area where you can just go. I met Gene Wilder there. Where you can go if you know someone, the security there. Uh-huh. And Sherrod is great. He's such balls. Because he's like, um, I'm like, I really want to get back there and get him to sign this. And Sherrod goes, well, let's go, man. They'll just think I'm one of his relatives. And he walks me back. <laughs> Fucking Sherrod. <laughs> big balls. Walk back like he belonged there. And they parted the Red Sea. And Sherrod and I walk back. And the next thing you know, we're in Sydney Poitier's dressing room. It's crowded. I asked him to sign that. He was very nice. He signed it. I got another picture with him. A good one this time. Yeah. Um, and then it got so crowded, he's trying to leave. And I'm just standing there. Literally, you couldn't move. And Sidney Poitier's chest is pressed against my face. I'm, I'm not. It was that close because he's trying to walk out, and I'm trying to slither past. And it was a log jam. And I'm like, I'm really invading this man's fucking space right now. But he was an interesting guy to listen to, and he had written a, a novel, and that was why they interviewed him. That was why he agreed to the interview. But a guy like that, you can't pretend you're not impressed with. Right, and he's probably not a guy who's getting mobbed on the street necessarily. No, and, and, and yet in Hollywood, there will never be another first black Oscar winner. You know, Malcolm X mentioned him in his biography. He said he likes City Party. He goes, well, he married a woman who was white, but he never conked his hair. He, you know, this is a guy who is, he, he, he's an iconic guy. Like Obama will always be the first black president. He'll always be the first black Oscar, you know. Um, so I was really fucking starstruck by him because I genuinely, I mean, who doesn't love him? But I mean, you know. I, I love his films, so it was nice to meet him. Did anyone ever like uh, snap at you when you asked? Yes, the um, Frank Vincent. The first time I met him, I don't even know. He's oh, he's uh, he was in Raging Bull. Okay, he was in Goodfellas. Oh, he's probably Billy, know Billy Bats. He's the one. He goes, oh, "Where are you getting fucking fresh?" And he's the one that they uh, they put in the trunk of the car and shoot in the mouth. And Pesci stomps. He was in Casino. Um, you ever see Casino? He was in that. See Casino. Do you ever see? It's awesome. It's a masterpiece. You ever see uh, The Sopranos? Yeah, he had a huge part in that in okay. the final couple of seasons. I'll show you a picture and you go, that guy. I was going. It was 2003. I was going to see Kiss. Uh, three of the four original members and um, I wanted to get backstage because I'd never met Kiss I'd met a couple of them individually but never as a group walking backstage I see Frank Vincent I mean I have any pass I'm just going to try and so I see Frank Vincent and I go hey man can we get a picture he goes no not right now and I go but I got a camera and he goes I said not now and I'm like yes you did so we get to the security guys and they're not letting anybody back and uh he goes, uh, they won't let him back. And the security guy, I go, do you know who the fuck that is? He was in Raging Bull and Good Fast Frank Vincent. So they let him back. I oh, guess. so you got him in? I got him in. Just by being so indignant. Like, do you yeah. have any idea who this guy is? And I happen to see a friend of mine, Wendy Ip. She's an Asian girl. She's a singer. Wendy, Wendy, yeah, she's a good singer. She's in London now. She's friends with Gene. Gene loved her writing. So I, see, I make eye contact with her. And she goes, hi. And I'm like, oh, my God. And she goes, oh, I can get you back. So Wendy gets me back, and I get back there, and uh, I get a photo. It, but there's four of us in the photo. Three of the four members of KISS. It was Paul, Gene, and Peter, and Tommy as ace, and four people in front of them. Um, and I got my photo with three of the four original members. Really great moment. But I wish it was all four. You know, yeah. I met them all individually, but never as a group. Did you uh, Did you chat? I would think they they must have a definite, you know, like, 
this is the way backstage is handled as far as pictures. And what was it, the garden? They do. Kiss has a very, very strict meet and greet, but because I was with Wendy Yip and Gene right. Newer, they let me in. Um, and now I almost canceled. I had an extremely well-paying gig. Um, so I was getting, when Kiss was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, because I have a photo, I was obsessed with meeting Black Sabbath. And the first time I met them as a group was at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction in 2006. I left Aspen a day early. I was scheduled to be in the festival. This we were promoting Lucky Louie. I, I left a day early to fly home because a storm was coming to see Sabbath. And thank God I did. So I watched their induction. I got a press pass. I kind of hijacked the press conference. I mean, I was asking fan questions like, not dick, like legitimate. The press stinks. Asking, you know, so when's the new album coming out? You know, I'm asking yeah, yeah. like, did you guys, you know, is this kind of bittersweet because their critics never gave you your due? And they were all like actually genuinely answering my questions. And then I just walked backstage, just walked back again. And um, I wanted a photo with all of them. And I'd had lunch with Tony that day, the guitarist, because he was pitching a show to XM. So my producer got us a lunch to talk about his show. So Tony... Uh, Ozzy was walking away. I'm like, could you get him, dude? I'll never have this chance. He was like, Ozzy. And he calls him back. And I have a photo with Sabbath, me and the boys, all holding their Rock and Roll Hall of Fame trophies. It's like there's no other fans alive have that. So I was going to do it with Kiss too, but I just couldn't cancel a gig of this monetary value. Yeah. And Kiss, they don't talk. So I'm like, I didn't guarantee I'd get the picture. Um, oh, they just, you just find out it's all right to take the picture. At the moment. Right. At the moment. And I said to Gene, I saw him after, I'm like, would I have gotten a picture? He goes, well, yes, we know you. We would have. I'm like, Argh. But again, who knows, man? I might have got cock blocks. You never know. Yeah, I don't think it's worth turning down a major gig. It was a major. It was good paying. And it was also a roast for a friend of mine who was in Florida, Cowhead. And uh, I was doing a gig after it. It was a whole thing. So I was like, I, you know, I got to be a big boy. I remember that Patrice roast we did. What year that? was that? Was that 2000? I don't remember. Apparently, it's coming out. On, they're going to release some clips of that. Yeah. I've been hearing that for a while. Though. I remember this footage Maya released of me. It's mostly Patrice, Kevin, Keith, and Voss outside the Boston. It might have been the Barry Katz roast in 2000. I don't remember when the Patrice roast was. Mine was around 2003. Uh, Caroline's. They all bashed me pretty good. Oh, I didn't go to that one, but I remember... The ones at the Boston Comedy. They were fun, man. Maybe I did go to the one at Carolyn's. We uh, roasted Barry there, Patrice there. I don't know if there was other ones, but Keith Robinson has legendary bomb. Oh, yeah. That was one of the most. Oh, my I, God. I, I think I talked great. about that on the podcast, but it was just like. Oh, was he on? Yeah. He was bombing and also not leaving the stage. No. But it was like, it was painful. The only time I've ever enjoyed watching someone bomb. I oh my God, it was wonderful. It was <laughs> one of hundreds I've enjoyed watching I think he bomb. Just, like he, <laughs> I think he just went up there and said, I'm going to wing this and, and had nothing. Nothing. <laughs> that was really fun. Yeah, he had nothing. That was a great, great moment. Have you done a Comedy Central roast? I've done only one. They don't put me on them. I did the Bob Saget roast because Bob requested me. But I got to roast Gene on Family Jewels. That was really satisfying. Oh, really? To get to roast. a good sport? He was, yeah. I mean, and like he might not be. Yeah, he does. But uh, he was nice, and every time I've seen him, that was 2007. So now we know each other, and it's just nice. It's it's a really weird. And again, this is childish. This is my being a fucking child. But I like that the guys I love so much like me. Like, you know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, like Ozzy Osbourne. I, I know these guys casually, but I know them, and yeah. it's like to, that to me is like. I like my career a lot, but that's a big part of it. It's like just knowing people who I idolized and like, 
it's just fun, man. It's like I, I dreamed of this when I was a kid and I got what I wanted. I sort of think that uh, people in showbiz are actually more starstruck or at least as starstruck as people outside of showbiz. Yeah, can be sure. You get jaded after a while and you handle like I've asked people questions on, on the radio show. And, I'm, and it, it, there's been times where it struck me like we have Ben Kingsley. I'm, I'm just chatting with oh, him. Man, did you see Sexy Beast? I did not. Oh, my God. That's a fucking great movie. Is it new or old? It's, a, it's about 10 years old, 15 years old. Oh, no. It's good. No, I never even heard of it. Yeah. He's great in it. He's great. I mean, I've never seen him be bad. Yeah. But uh, just chatting with him, I realized this guy would spit on me at a party if I approached him. Oh, you think so? Oh, my. He's fucking Ben Kingsley. He would have zero reason to chat with me because there'd be so many much bigger people to talk to. But in this moment... In this world, he has to listen and he has to answer the question. And they weren't dick questions, but I just love that. It's just fun. Harvey Weinstein we've interviewed. And he was great. I mean, he, he really was compelling. I mean, um, but it was fun to talk to a guy like that who I never could get in the room with and probably couldn't ever again. Yeah, it's weird who's nice in what circumstance. I remember for some reason that bar below the Boston Comedy Club, there was some party and Roger Daltrey was at the party. And it was only like 30 people, and he was posing for pictures like no one had ever asked him in his life for a pill. Like, he just, huge smile. Yeah. It was just like, oh, my God, I don't even know why he's here. When you meet a guy like that in a small setting, it's very odd. Um, and they are still larger than life, but yeah. th there's some people that just have it, an air about them. Um, and when Ozzy walks into a room, he smells good. He's the best smelling man in really? show, but he smells and they said, whatever cologne he wears, some British stuff, but he smells like Ozzy Osbourne, and nobody else smells like him. And he wears, he just walks in, and he just smells like a fucking rock star. And there's certain guys that just have that. Donald Sutherland had that energy. Whatever cologne he was wearing, he smelled good. And I asked him about it, and he spritzed it on me. And then he left it, because he had been traveling, so he had it in his bag. And then he left it, and I fucking stole it. And his publicist asked for it back, and I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 nope. Not happening, Donald. Not happening. After your JFK monologue, you're my one of my favorites forever. You're never getting it back. Oh, my God. But I'm a fan when I meet these people. Fucking an absolute fanboy. Yeah, I did a show outside of San Francisco in this city, Rohnert Park or something. It was like in this weird venue. It was like a rec hall. And afterwards, there's like 100 people there or whatever. Afterwards, I, I'm out in the hallway just saying hi, and then Lars from Metallica. Oh. And he's just like, hey, he's like, hey man, how you doing? And he's there with his... It's just weird to hear it. When, when someone's a fan of you who is, is like... Sure. Like, I'm not a big metal guy, but... Or a metal guy You can't all. get any bigger than But Metallica. I was still like, holy shit, this guy's huge. Huge. And he's saying, and I said, hey, can I get a picture? And he's like, yeah, can I get one for my son? I was like, yeah. And then, as you know, just the idea that he was like... Aware and then of you. he introduced me to his wife or fiance, and just the idea that like, hey, we're gonna go see Tom Aaron in this rec hall, and yeah, gets in the car and does it. But I mean, you were the evening, yeah. He, what are you doing? I'm going to see Todd. Todd Barry. He's such a he's he changed music too because he fought Napster and everybody yeah. gave him a hard time. But you know what? Lars saved a lot of people millions of dollars. Yeah, I thought he kind of got a um. I, I thought there was something reasonable about that. A hundred percent reasonable to not want your material stolen. Because it was also for the future. And they just shat on him because like, what is he, big and corporate? But pirating is a big deal, man. It's like people work hard and you get your shit stolen. He was right. Yeah. I mean, I meet people who are uh, 
just they think they're just entitled entitled to free stuff and it's just like yeah, it's still movies it's your music it's like that's uh i never steal anymore you know what i mean like donald southern's cologne now oh god you're really you're really right i why would i say that right after i said i stole his cologne you're a hundred percent right i out and out stole i knew it was there and he left and i stole i could i could have called him back but don't you, i think you would have gotten a little thrill out of returning it to him though no his publicist called and asked for it and uh no I hope we see him again. I loved him. Oh, is he a fucking ball breaker? He's tremendous. Really? He's so good. I was on Conan with him once, but I didn't meet him. I probably should have met him. Oh, um, I meet all of them. Because he was sitting, like, you know, in a dressing room not too far away. But I always approach I'm them. always afraid that I, don't, I won't have anything to say. You know what you do? I walk in. I say hello. I, I usually ask for a photo. Yeah. None of them have ever said no. Not on the shows. Not on Leno or yeah. Letterman. They won't. And I just say, I always ask one of the producers to introduce me. Could you introduce me? Hell yeah, you're on. We're on together tonight. Hey, man, but if I have something, I'll say it. I'm like, do you mind if we grab a quick photo? No, not at all. Boom, two, done in two minutes. Um, I did line with John McCain, and I know Megan pretty well. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I really want to meet your dad. And I didn't know if he had secret service with him or not. So I'm like, and she's texted her father. So I'm sitting in my dressing room, and Ross, the Martha guy goes, uh, John McCain's here, and he walked in asking for you. I'm like, really? And he goes, yeah, my daughter said, I have to meet you. So we chat. He was very, anybody in politics is good because they're used to talking right. to people. So they don't run out of things to say. Uh-huh. They're very good at keeping a conversation going. Really bright. Just a nice guy, you know. And we took a photo. And that's all I ever want is a quick picture. Hello. Get the fuck out of there. I don't need a half hour with them. So do you, do you do a big meet and greet after your shows or do you just kind of? I, um, I, I stand out and sell merchandise uh-huh. and take photos with people. And we have a camera. I got the idea from Gabriel Iglesias. I upload the photos to my website. It's a free download. And while you're there, you can grab some uh, merch if you also want. Also, the, the pic's free. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. I think some guys charge for their picture. I, I won't that, do that. That doesn't seem right. I feel like they, some shit should be free. Like they paid to see yeah. me. I'm getting bonus. They're buying a shirt. Come on. It's free. So you have a camera set up? Yeah, we have a digital camera. I don't want to deal with your fucking iPhones or your dumb Samsungs or your wife that doesn't know what she's doing. So who takes the picture? Uh, we get someone from the club to do it and pay them. We give them a little few bucks a show. Wow, that's a good idea. Yeah, and Kenny sells merch. Kenny stands right there yelling at them, buy your lady something. You know, he's very funny and that the fans works, all know. Though. Oh my God, it works. They all know him you know, from the radio show. I once was selling merch at a rock festival and there was a guy there like, well, you can put your stuff on his table. And he'll sell it for you. And I think he was maybe like Iggy Pops. He was like an old guy. I got not an old guy, but a guy who's worked seasoned at this shit. And this guy came up and had three CDs. And he just goes, uh, "Do you want all three? He goes, "Like, so you want all three? The guy goes, "Uh, yeah." <laughs> like, and I was just like, "I don't know if that guy would have bought all three right. until he put it in his head." But he wasn't even pushy. Just you want all three. He just yeah. kind of was like, "Oh, you want all three? I was like, "Oh, that's pro." Sometimes they just there's a sales pitch. That gets people buying stuff. I have so much stuff that I sell. Colin told me that after my show, it looks like a Turkish bazaar. What do you I, sell? I have, uh, I think, I want to say six CDs, I think. And, and uh, I have one shirt, um, four or five DVDs, books. So, so you travel with everything? We ship it. Oh, my. We God. ship it. Um, and season Lucky Louie, I sell. Really? I don't make much on it, but a few bucks. People don't buy a lot. Though my first few CDs, we only send like, you know, 10 of each. And you know what I mean? Over yeah. five shows because everyone I, who has it. So it's on iTunes too. They can always buy it. It's good they have a merch guy because I've had problems with uh, yeah. where you just get someone at the club and they're like. It's bullshit. They're terrible. Yeah. I mean, I, sometimes they get it. Sometimes they're like, 
Oh, what was I supposed to? And Kenny catches the club stealing all the time. Really? All the time. Adding seats, fucking, you know, on the website, Golden Circle stuff, which goes beyond our contracted ticket price. Kenny catches them constantly. They, they, he's the, he's a detective. He's the wrong guy to try to fucking get one over on. That's great. Oh, he's awesome. Because every time I do like, a, you know, a club and a door deal, I go, you really are trusting that this guy, when he says you sold 300 tickets, because if you sold 340, it's not like I'm going to know the difference by looking out there. Kenny knows the difference. He does a head count every show. Oh, my God. That's every great. show. I mean, he might be off by three or four or two, but that type of difference you can you can live with. Yeah. We caught a club recently. Thursday was one thing, but I oversold Friday and Saturday, and they put in 40 extra seats. 40 fucking seats. Kenny nailed them. them right? They knew that they got no. They knew they got in trouble. I mean, they were going for a little skim. There. Oh my god, yeah! And they go, well, just tell us how much. Oh, how wow. many were? Was it? What it? And we, you know, I never take money that's not owed me. So it was very fair. You know that you were right. 100%. Because they didn't put up a fight. They were like, no. Oh, what fight. do we owe you then? Oh, okay. So yeah. There was one club that didn't put up much of a fight in Irvine because they had more people, comps that I didn't think we had allowed, but it turns out we had, but they cut me a check and they go, all right, we'll see because the manager wasn't sure. And I was wrong. So I sent the money back. I'm like, I apologize. I was wrong. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, you never want to take money that's not possibly do you. I don't want any money. uh, I remember I had a club owner in Canada. He yelled at me like he was a good guy, but he, I was opening for someone. I was just doing a bunch. I was dicking around, doing a lot of crowd work. And in his mind, like, you should be doing material, which yeah, is probably right. But it was also, there was a thing like, well, you don't tell me what to do on stage. Sure. And anyway, he uh, he kind of scolds me, and I kind of like don't take his shit. And then he pays me, and he overpaid me, and I, I fucking said, you overpaid me. And I thought that was the ultimate. Yeah, like, absolutely. Like, sort of like saying, yeah, I'm actually fair on both sides. Of and he must have been very grateful. Yeah, he you. gave it to He goes, you know what? You deserve it. Keep it. Really? Yeah. How much extra was it? I'm thinking it might have been like ninety bucks or something. Okay. I don't know. It was uh it was it was a little extra money. Just the idea that they they that they, they you want to give it back. Most people don't give money back. Right. I don't mind. I turned in an iPad the other day, saw it at a coffee shop. Did you? Yeah. That's what you were supposed to do. Absolutely. Unless it's cologne, you're supposed to Then you to- keep it. I got into a cab and I saw a, a book bag, a backpack. I open it up. There's a laptop in it, and the cab is like, "Yeah, I just I'm bringing it back to the. It's my new character. I just bring it back to uh, the. He was gonna bring it back to the depot and see yeah. what happened. I'm like, this guy, I'll never get his laptop yeah. back. So I'm looking through for personal information. I open it up. It's online, and the kid's Twitter is open. Oh. Um. So he's a guy from like San Francisco or whatever, and he literally, um, was on Twitter and just closed his laptop. So I go to his Twitter and I'm trying to tweet. I don't think I can because I, I, I don't, there's a problem with me getting online. There's no yeah. signal. So I get his Twitter and I open my Twitter from my phone and I tweeted him. I'm like, I have your laptop and no one's getting back to me. So I had his emails open and I didn't want to do it, but I'm like, I really want to give this guy. Right. So I opened up his emails and went to like the first one. It was a chat between him and a person. And, um, I think there was a number or I emailed them. I said, Hey, my name is Jim. 
this is not my laptop. Whoever your friends is, he left it in the, whatever. And I gave him my number and they called me and we actually worked it out where his brother was local and his brother came and picked up the laptop. But it felt good to do yeah, that because you get a, a rush. He would want, he called me and thanked me and I would want Jim Norton to find my shit. And I didn't snoop through his shit at all. I opened right. it, got the information and closed it. It, it was like, uh, I felt good to do something nice for somebody that, you know, I would want them to do for me. We're both such great guys. We I really are. I pads. You you track down laptop owners. Amazing people. What a... Amazing, successful people. <laughs> We're really... Uh, it really has been a self-congratulatory <laughs> podcast. Did we, did we do a little too yeah. much self-congratulatory? No, but it's fine. We deserve it. Now I feel... See, now I'm self-conscious. No, don't be... Luckily, I'm too lazy to listen to it again. Yeah. So I won't be like... That's right. Get out of... You. Let's cut out 40% of the self-congratulation. Yeah. But seriously, then I'd pass. Um, let's see if there's anything else I want to ask you about. When's the last time you opened for someone? Do you ever do that? Um, I'll go on the road once in a while, and I'll, uh, you know, if I, I'll go up before someone like Artie. Artie oh. Lang and I work a lot together. Or if I work with a tell, we do the same amount of time. Right. It's just. But um, I always want to go up before Dave. Yeah, I, I would. I want to go up to Dave. Yeah. But as far as opening, no, I mean not in an opener sense. It's been many, many years. You're open Probably. for a band. No, um, I ha wait, I have it's small bands, but I won't do it. It doesn't mix. Yeah. You? Uh, yeah, I have opened for some bands. It's kind of, you know, indie rock bands. Hard or good? Uh, if they know who I am and they're, yeah, it can be good, but it, I, I won't do it like just. Randomly. Yeah. And also it, you're right. It often doesn't mix. And it's also like, you know, someone will ask you to do like, Hey, we perform at a party. And it's like, that's a party. Yeah, and their heart's in the right place. Sure, they mean well. But you're just like, I don't want to go up there and there's going to be 400 people talking. Yeah, when there's music, nobody wants it turned off to hear my jokes. Yeah. Uh, I was going to ask you about, you have, you, came, you have some of the best sexual terminology that I've ever heard. Like, oh, thank you. I remember, like, like, you, you use things like, I remember dumping for for coming. Is, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I get that, that from Jim Florentine, like, actually. Oh, did you yes, really? I did. I just, oh, my God, I remember that from the cellar. First time you see, like, hey, did you dump? Yeah, did you, you dump? That girl, did you dump? Yeah, Florentine, <laughs> I first heard that, but that's probably 1990 I heard him say that. Really? Dumping her? Yeah. So I have to give credit where it's due. Dump, I love it. It's a good one. That's first. That's most I've laughed on this podcast. Yeah. And then there was, uh, I heard you say, I think when I was on the show, talking about, I can't keep a rod in a bag. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's pretty self-explanatory. A bag. Oh, my God. Yeah, you got any new ones? No. Um, a lot of the girls I date, um, you know, I call their cock a vagina. <laughs> you know, some of the fucking <laughs> proclivities I have. Um, not really, no. They just kind of come out. I like them. Yeah, me too, man. They just feel good. But they're not, there's no, I don't do them to be catchy. I just do them to be natural or because I've heard Jim say them or because I've said, you know. Yeah, you do say them with, I think that's part of the reason because you just, they just come out of you. Oh, yeah, there's no effect and, with it. Like, yeah, I think you I'm being crazy. Like, you don't act like, oh, I'm being funny. Yeah, <laughs> hey, I licked her woo woo. You know, it's not like that. <laughs> you dumped. Yeah, you just dumped. Well, Jim, contextually inadequate it's on Epics. Yeah, and epicshd.com. You know when it's going to air? Do you? Uh, it's already on. I mean, just it's on just, demand. You can just search. Oh, it's on demand. Okay. Yeah, you can find it's it. No or more searching. Netflix in three months. You know, people see it. If you want to see it, you'll catch it. Cool, man. Uh, JimNorton.com. Yes. You got any tour dates you want to talk about? Yeah, I'm just doing Rochester, and then I got the Borgata. I got Detroit. I got uh, Minneapolis. I'm going back on the road because I want to move, so I'm trying to get a lot more money. So I'm like, I told my guy, put me on the road a little bit. Oh, you're selling your place or something? Um, yeah, I think so. I want to move to a bigger place. You're going to flip it. What do you got now? I have one bedroom. Yeah. Like a two-bedroom. I have an office, just stuff like that. Yeah. 
And Twitter, Jim Norton. Yeah. I think that's it, right? That was fun. Thanks, man. Thanks for doing this. I was happy to do it. And thank you for, at home for listening. I'll see you next week. Feral Audio. This is firefighter Raphael Poirier for Firehouse Subs. Introducing the new spicy Cajun chicken sub, Cajun seasoned grilled chicken breast, zesty cherry peppers, and house-made Cajun mayo. Just $5.55 for a medium. Remember, a portion of every sub you buy helps provide life-saving equipment for first responders. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Limited time only, plus tax. Participating locations. Firehouse Subs would donate a minimum of $1 million in 2019 to the Firehouse Subs Public Safety Foundation by donating 0.11% of every purchase.